it's, it's good to see you. My apologies. I came up yesterday to make sure I had everything out because I'm out of this habit for the last two and a half years. And I realized in what was almost three quarters of the way through the prelude that the one thing I forgot was my microphone. So, um, and I, there is no place in this service for me to run and get it. So uh, I will try to use these. And uh, if you're having trouble, it's on me, it's not the sound system, and I, I will make sure I have it on next time. Uh, several announcements. Uh, the altar flowers this morning are giving, given in celebration of Catherine Hardy's 100th birthday from this past week. So um, that's, a, that's a great celebration. And the chancel flowers are in memory of, of Wiley G. McDonald Jr. and they're lovely, so thank you. We have a potluck this Wednesday night in the CLC at 515 for our Wednesday Night Live. Hope you'll come so we can visit and, and get to know each other better. Monday uh, is meeting night. We have uh, staff parish, trustees, and finance all meet either in the conference room or my, my office. The count, church council meeting has been moved to February the 7th, and I noticed that we have a book club. I've read one of the three books that they have listed, so um, look in your um, newsletter that you got, and if that looks interesting to you, um, there are the details that you need are there. So it's good to be with you. Um, I still haven't found all my clothes. I still haven't found my favorite pair of preaching shoes because they make me a little taller, uh, but they're there somewhere. Uh, so I'll, I may put the granddaughters on it. They seem to be able to find anything. Uh, so um, anyway, it is good to be here. Will you just join me and stand as you're able and we'll join in our call to worship. Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The brightness of God's light shines upon all the nations. All are welcome to the brightness of God's dawn. God gathers us from far away and carries us. With radiant eyes, with rejoicing hearts, we receive the abundance God gives. We respond in praise with our gifts, with our very selves. We worship God. Will you join us as we sing hymn 156, I Love to Tell the Story.
remain standing, we'll affirm our faith together. And I just want you to know, some of you actually look like you do love to tell the story. Uh, so thank you. Uh, I could see it on some of your faces. Some of you we've got to work on. So <laughs> church, what is it that we believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I hope you take your bulletin home with you and the part that has our prayer list on it, tear it off, put it somewhere where you're going to see it uh, and, and pray for those folks. Uh, if you know of folks that we need to be remembering in prayer at the church uh, privately or that need to be on our prayer list, please uh, do not hesitate to let us know. But will you join me in prayer? Gracious Lord, we come before you this morning on this day when the church celebrates the baptism of our Lord, the baptism of your son where he heard and we know that you were well pleased with him. That time when he turned not from sin because he was without sin, but toward his mission on our earth, that mission to save us, to redeem us, reveal you to us and father we ask that you would open our eyes to see open our ears to hear and open our hearts to feel and our minds to know your love for each of us and all of us and all of our neighbors on this Sunday that's two days after the epiphany we ask that you would help us, like the wise men, to seek you, and in seeking, help us to find you. Because we are so blessed to have a God who wants to be known and who wants to be found. We thank you, Lord, that you love me and us despite all of our faults and issues. We ask that you would help us to love our neighbors with the same kind of love that you extend toward us. Help us to see our neighbors through your eyes and show us practical ways that we can help them and through that help be able to show them the love of Jesus. 
Help us to put aside our own agendas, Lord. Simply love them, to meet them where they are, and to love them as you love them. Lord, as we seek to follow Wesley's rules for members of his society, uh, they seem so simple. Do no harm, do good, follow the ordinances of God. But without you, they're impossible. But let that be how we live our lives together, by doing no harm, by doing good, and seeking to stay in love with you, with all that we are, all that we have. These things we pray in the name of the one who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Will lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our next hymn is found on page 408, The Gift of Love, and you may remain seated as we sing. Gracious Lord, we thank you for all the gifts that you've given us. We return those gifts and offer ties to your work that your kingdom may indeed
Walter, I think you're it today. Come on down here.
Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. And when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. And he asked, teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it, because they only asked for the greatest. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Word of God for all God's people. Thanks be to God. Um, so they say the two worst days in a preacher's life are their first day in a new congregation and their last day in a new congregation. So far, this one's okay. <laughs> it's good to be with you. I want to say thanks to the choir this morning. So good to have you here. Um, it's a beautiful song. Um, so I've been asked by lots of my preachers in the North District, so what are you going to preach on the first Sunday you're in Huntsville? Because, you know, some of them will come just to hear and then they'll never come back. So you kind of got to hit it out of the ballpark. I said, I don't know that I do those kind of sermons, but we'll do our best. Uh, but so you know a little bit about me and how I try to live my life and how I think we need to live our life together. I decided uh, that I would offer this sermon on John Wesley's general rules for his societies. People came to him and said... Um, we have this desire for salvation. Uh, how do we do that? How do we live together in these societies? And Wesley said, a desire to flee from the wrath to come and to be saved from your sins. But what, wherever this is really fixed in the soul, it'll be shown by your fruits. It is therefore expected of all who continue in these societies that they should continue to evidence their desire for salvation. And he gave three rules for doing that. Mark and I got asked the questions when we got ordained. Do you know the general rules? And you say yes and hope they don't ask, the bishop doesn't ask you to repeat them in front of everybody. <clears throat> but in the kiss, his, uh, his sermon on the character of a Methodist, here's what Wesley said. And I'm not going to quote Wesley to you every week, I promise. He's, he writes, what then is the mark? Who is a Methodist according to your own account? I answer, a Methodist one is one who has the love of God shed abroad in his heart by the Holy Ghost given unto him. One who loves the Lord his God with all of his mind, with all of his soul, and with all of his heart, and with all of his strength. God is the joy of his heart and the desire of his soul, which is constantly crying out, Who have I in heaven but thee and there is none upon earth that I desire besides thee my God and my all thou art the strength of my heart and my portion forever so he gave these three simple rules 
So the question is, how do we live out these commandments to love God and neighbor? How do we live so that others see the mark of Christ in us? How do we live in such a way that young folks like Walter see God because of the way you and I live our lives? And so Wesley gave members of his society three rules. Reuben Job was a bishop in the United Methodist Church. He wrote a little bitty book called Three Simple Rules. So I'm going to, do, I'm going to give these to you in, in Bishop Job's language. First is to do no harm. The second is to do good. The third, in, in Wesley's language, is follow the ordinance, observe the ordinances of God. In, in Job's language, it's stay in love with God. So how do we do no harm? do good, and stay in love with God. If we follow these simple, three simple rules, or, you know, I think we'll change the world. What I've learned and what I'm still learning is that the rules change me. They change me. It's how we practice our faith together. And so we're going to take them one by one and think about them a little bit. The first one being do no harm. And Wesley would say that as avoid evil of every kind. In Galatians 5.15 we read, If you bite and devour one another, take care that you're not consumed by one another. Do no harm. It seems so not complicated. But when I start looking at what that looks like as I live out my life, it means not choosing or choosing not to gossip, to not speak disparagingly about another, not trying to manipulate or diminish the other for my own gain. It means having to ask God to guard my lips. And you can... And I have others, I'm just not sharing them with you. But you have to think about what that is in your life. And it, it seems like it's a really, really simple rule. And it's too often a step that we don't take because it really demands too much in the way of self-discipline and deep faith that God will empower us. I don't know about you, but oftentimes we would rather even the score than do no harm. On 45, as you know, I've driven it a couple of times in the last couple of weeks. There are some people I've wished there was a highway patrolman over the next hill for them. I don't know if that's doing harm to them, wishing them a ticket. But this rule also demands of me radical trust in God. That when I do harm, he'll show me and I will, I will cease from that. In Wesley's journal, he wrote, Keep close to every means of grace. Strive to walk in all the ordinances of God. Follow his commandments. Be blameless. To do no harm, you have to place another above yourself. My hope in this rule is that I don't do this by myself, neither do you. We do this with God's strength and through God's strength alone. Thomas Akempis wrote a book called The Imitation of Christ. It's one of my favorite books I go back to over and over again. And Akempis writes, we can't trust ourselves too much because we often lack grace and understanding. 
The light within us is small and we soon let even this burn out for lack of care. We also fail to notice how inwardly blind we are. We look inward and when we do that, when we really though look inwardly on our own hearts, it becomes much harder to judge others. So do no harm. The second one is do good. In 3 John, we read these words, whoever does good is from God. In Acts 10, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit with power, and he went about doing good. St. Augustine, or St. Augustine, depends on what part of East Texas you're from, how you pronounce that, says you owe your conscience to God. To one another, you owe nothing less than mutual love. Jesus said, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To do good is a challenge of Wesley, but friends, it's a commandment from Jesus. But what does this rule mean? Doing good should be directed at everyone, whether they fit our category of worthy or not. It's a proactive way of living. I have a friend, and her husband's name is Sam. Sam's one of those people, when you first meet him, you don't know if he's real or not. Because he just seems too good. His goal in life is to have nothing when he goes. He wants to give it all away for Jesus. Now, my friend likes nice things, so this causes a little conflict in their lives from time to time. But what if we loved our neighbor as we love ourselves in such a way that we were willing to give ourselves away for them? Not long ago, I was driving through a Starbucks, which I try not to do very often. Um, but there was a, a white Jeep in front of me. And when I got to the window, they said, you know, I handed them my money. And they said, oh, the person in front of you paid for your meal, which was a Danish and a cup of green tea. And I thought, well, why would somebody do that? Do I know that person? Why would they do this for me? I don't know. And I got so flustered, I didn't even have the presence of mind to think, you should buy the coffee for the guy behind you. But I was so overwhelmed with that $8.35 offer, a gift. So since then, if you're ever behind me in Starbucks, or Sonic, which is my usual choice in the morning, I, you may get your drink paid for, just so you know. But you know, what about those folks who call you and say, I don't know why, but God just put you on my heart today, and I want you to know I care for you, I'm praying for you. It, it was just the right call at just the right minute, someone being used by God to do good for you. There are lots of obstacles to this way of living. Uh, I've written down five of them. One is my desire, maybe it's yours, maybe I should say our desire, to be in control. Because when you live for other folks, sometimes you have to let go of some control. The second one, it costs me time. And sometimes it costs me money. It costs me a little bit of myself. And if it's just time, that's the one commodity, the one resource every one of us has the exact same amount of. 
I had a secretary one time, and people would come to the church for help, and she would just get really mad because she didn't think some people deserved the help. And that's probably true. And so that wondering if my gift of goodness is rejected or misused, and where I've come down on that is what they do with the gift I offer is not my responsibility, my willingness to love and do good what I've been commanded to do. What if my loving my neighbor is seen as a weakness? And what if my gift, again, is misused or unappreciated? I want to read to you a passage I've already used once from Matthew 5, where Jesus says, You've heard it said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but... I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his, own, his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Our desire to do good isn't limited by the thoughts and actions of others. It's our response. It's my response to God's invitation to be a follower of Jesus Christ. When we extend hospitality and goodness to all that we meet, even those who disagree with us or turn against what we believe, loving them and doing good to them is right and good. No matter what someone else does, we're still called to do no harm and to do good. On the surface, they seem really simple. When I start trying to live them out, they get hard. That's why simple is written in a different case letters. Don't you think about how simple or unsimple they are. And the first two rules are important, and they can bring immediate results and immediate changes to our lives and to those around us, to the folks who are watching that we don't know are watching us. Do we live what we profess? These two rules become increasingly impossible. But staying in love with God is the root and the foundation of the first two. It's the foundation of all of life. Attending to the ordinances of God. Or as Bishop Job said, staying in love with God. Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. No matter how much good we try to do, no, how, no matter how much doing no harm we try to do, if we're not doing it in God's name with the love of God, is it all vain? We practice the rules, but it's God that transforms us and redeems and renews and builds that house, the house of our lives, our church, and our world. First two rules are important, but without God's power... No healing of our divisiveness, of our woundedness, of our brokenness is totally possible. Rule three, stay in love with God. Psalm 105 says, seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Wesley said, as I said before, attend to the ordinances of God. Practice the means of grace. Public worship, you're practicing that this morning. Attending to and participating in the Lord's Supper private and family prayer, searching scripture, Bible study, fasting. 
these can become life-giving and a source of strength and guidance to us. They keep us and transform each of us as we're transformed more and more into the image of our creator and redeemer. So I hope you will decide that you want to follow these three rules with me. Doing no harm, doing good, staying in love with God. And over the next few months, we're going to figure out what that looks like at First United Methodist Church in Huntsville, Texas. We know harm's been done. Maybe we've done it. Good thing is we have a God who forgives us and a God who can make all things new. We're going to do good to one another, I mean, to our, to our community, to Walker County, to the, to the conference, to, to whoever God puts in our way. Most importantly, if we don't have the foundation of loving God, of attending to what God says is important, connecting to God through those means of grace, you know, through our little ones who show us God in such amazing ways, God tells us to have faith as a little child. Maybe we need to listen to them a little more. I look forward to living these out with you and discovering what they mean for us. Amen. So if you would like to join our church and figure out what living out these rules means for you, we invite you to come as we sing Heal Me Hands of Jesus. Uh, if you would recommit yourself to doing no harm, doing good, and staying in love with God, you can do that where you sit, or you may feel free to come to the, to the communion rail and pray. We're going to sing a song some of you may not know, which is risky on a first Sunday, uh, but I thought it was an important song for us to sing. Elaine is going to play it through once. It's hymn uh, 262, Heal Me Hands of Jesus. So if you'll stand as you're able. <laughs>